welcome to the very first inaugural recording of DMZ America. I'm Scott Stannis coming to you from the right. And I'm Ted Rall coming to you from the left. Ted and I have been wanting to do this for a long, long time. Seriously, we got together 15 years ago to talk about a project called DMZ America because, well, Ted and I can talk to each other about politics. Ted and I agree on not nothing. that much. Yeah, yeah, and nothing. In, Except in the civility, but not much else. But we've never, I don't know that we have ever yelled at each other about a, a political issue. I mean, we've talked about other things where we get heated, like, you know, skinny jeans, which I'm right. dead set against. Or bow ties, which I'm dead set against. <laughs> so, so this has been brewing for a long, long time, and we finally decided to pull the trigger. So welcome, everybody, to the inaugural DMZ America. Uh, I think it's important to give a little background here. Scott Stantis is my uh, good friend, also the uh, longstanding cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. Before that, he was at the Birmingham News in Alabama and several other newspapers in the past. And uh, I uh, am uh, currently uh, writing for the Wall Street Journal uh, opinion Which page. Which is awesome, by the uh, way. token lefty. And uh, also, <laughs> uh, I am formerly of the Village Voice and many other lefty rags. Okay, you're being very humble, if I may, because this is we're just introducing each other. Uh, Ted also is a New York Times bestselling author. Um, he uh, is a syndicated columnist and a syndicated cartoonist. I mean... Uh, Ted is kind of the bomb, as the kids say. <laughs> as is Scott, who is an amazing draftsman. Has a he has a um, a comic strip called Prickly City, which is in many American newspapers, probably some overseas as well. I imagine. Um, and uh, he formerly he might also, if you're old enough, remember his comic strip, The Buckets. Um, you have to be very old. Hey, 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 well, hey. Well, if you read hey, a newspaper, hey. you are very old. <laughs> That's true. Might be dead. Well, we are dead. <laughs> I have to show my kids. Yeah. I have to show my kids. Look, it's ink on paper. <laughs> it's adorable. Hey, so we've, uh, we've got a lot to cover this week. I mean, there's always yeah. a lot to cover. So we're just going to kind of dive in, talk about, you know, trash about this and that. Uh, Ted is, and like myself, the reason we're friends, I think, is that we also have this intellectual curiosity. We love history. We love philosophy. We love economics. So if you love those things too, this is your podcast. So leading off, <sighs> New York City vaccine mandate. Ted, yeah. you live in New York City. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, sure. So what's going on is obviously, unless you've been living, well, I was going to say, unless you've been living under a rock, but of course you were supposed to be living under a rock by law for the last year and a half. Um, so if you have not been living under a rock, you may not have heard that there's this coronavirus thing. And so anyway, um, with the, de the rise of the Delta variant has caused a lot of uh, panic among the governing class. And New York City's uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio became the first uh, major executive to call for vaccine mandates. And what that means is effectively, if you want to go into a New York City restaurant, a museum, uh, any kind of public space, probably most retail stores, although they haven't talked about that, but I think that's obviously going to be the case, you're going to have to show your vax card uh, or possibly a very recent test uh, showing that you don't have COVID-19 in order to gain admission. Uh, as far as we know, that's the only municipality uh, in the United States, but I would expect many others to follow suit. And obviously it's a, you know, it's a, it's a controversial decision. 
Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, I want to go on record here as the, you know, as the righty here. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against masks. I'm not one of those, you know, baloney heads. And we're going to talk about this later, but it's, um, uh, you know, I'm vaccinated. COVID hit my family very, very hard. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I just want to go on record as saying that and then say that I think. And you are vaccinated. Are, I've yeah, twice. Um, and I'm vaccinated three times. <laughs> four. Four times. No, I'm kidding. In three weeks, it'll be four for me. Yeah. Oh, you're you're are you serious? I think I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll oh, talk yeah. about that later. But yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Okay, okay. Getting back to New York City and de Blasio, I think this is government overreach. I really do for a myriad of reasons, but I want to get your take first, Ted. Well, I mean, this this makes me very uncomfortable. Um, you know, look, I totally understand I understand the vaccine hesitant. Uh, this is this technology hasn't you know it's been around for a while but people still view it as experimental. Um, there's a long history of why people should distrust government specifically when it relates to vaccines, uh, you know the, the Tuskegee experiment and so on, uh, which is why a lot of people of color haven't gotten vaccinated. And uh, you know anytime you the government tells you you have to inject some mystery thing into your body, um, that's something that people have a right to be scared of. Um, but I think the government really didn't have a choice in this matter. There was no way that the educational system was going to be able to tolerate another year of remote instruction. There was going to be an uprising on the part of parents from far left to far right, far right, and everyone in between. Um, the, the, the economy is going to shut down now that we know that uh, the Delta variant is spread by both vaccinated and unvaccinated people alike. Uh, really, this is for the protection of the unvaccinated. Uh, we just, we, you know, look, I don't want to lose unvaccinated people. Um, uh, and if they don't want to get vaccinated, so be it. But if they go into these establishments, they're going to get COVID and COVID can kill you. And so it's now uh, we're past uh, the, the sort of place where authority, you know, this authoritarian impulse uh, has to be resisted at all costs. I, 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 I think the, 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 the mayor made the right decision here. Really? See, I, 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 again, I think it's government overreach and the vaccine, while again, it's terrific for the person who's vaccinated. And I think you're a moron. Uh, if you don't get vaccinated, um, because it's going to protect you. It means it doesn't mean you won't get it. Doesn't mean you can't spread it. It does mean that it won't that if you do contract the virus, it won't kill you. Yeah, like and Lindsey it, Graham right now has it, but it's he says it's he's experiencing it as a sinus cold, basically. Yeah, it's it's. And can I go on a side issue? I mean, one of the things of this podcast is going to be that we're going to speak very honestly and very uncomfortably about certain things. And for those who aren't vaccinated and they get sick, you heard the story about uh, the nurse in Alabama. This story went viral, how people who are there about to be uh, intubated or go on a respirator saying, can I get the vaccine now? And I I just got to say, fuck you. You know, seriously. I mean, you got your health, you got your health advice from Sean friggin Hannity. That's who, that's why you didn't do it. Now there are, there are extenuating circumstances and health reasons why you can't get it. You may be under 12 years old. You may have other underlying conditions that your physician tells you you can't get vaccinated. We're not talking about those people. We're not talking, we're talking about the moron who goes to OAN and listens to and gets their medical advice from that instead of from their primary physician. And I hate myself for this. I hate myself for this, Ted. And we've talked about this before as a practicing Catholic. Yeah. And a a Christian for me to think. 
And you chose well, Catholic Catholicism. You came to it honestly. It's not. Yeah, like, they didn't. You know, it didn't I choose just, me. I just floated, I just, <laughs> it chose me. It just floated in. <laughs> I I feel horrible about having horrible thoughts about people not getting vaccinated. I mean, well, you're allowed to think that people are stupid. I just don't think you're allowed to think that stupid people should die. And the thing is, in in I think the way things are playing out. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, in a way, we don't have to think that anyway, because there's no logical reason to it. They're, look, they're the ones that are at, at risk. They're not imperiling the vaccinated, right? So it's, they're, and they're kind of saying that, look, look, vaccinated people and unvaccinated people present an equal risk. And really it's the unvaccinated people who are, are suffering. What I don't get is this sort of the decision-making process. I mean, look, let's just say that you think the vaccine might kill you someday. You might get some horrible, like, you know, cancer. Okay, fine. But COVID, if you get it, there's a strong chance it will kill you or leave you severely weakened. So, and you probably will get it if you're unvaccinated. I mean, this is an extremely contagious, extremely virulent disease, and the Delta variant is even worse. So it's kind of like, well, this thing might screw you up later on, or this thing will screw you up now. To me, that's an obvious call. That's why I got vaccinated. Well, and like I said, I hit my family hard. I had it and it damn near killed me. Um, When something damn near kills you, uh, just a heads up to our listeners, it's bad. Don't do that. Yeah, don't don't almost die. It's just, it's it's no fun at all. So coming back to the New York City. So having said that, why in the world would I have take umbrage to a a vaccine mandate? It seems like, I mean, why can't you just let businesses make these decisions? And that, and by that, and it has to be an obvious decision. I felt this way about smoking. I don't smoke. I was just um, going to bring that up about the smoking, like New York, yeah, like New York until, until mayor uh, Michael Bloomberg banned smoking in New York city, the argument in favor of allowing smoking in bars and restaurants was always like, well, it's up to the individual businesses. And uh, you can always go to a business where, you know, a restaurant that doesn't permit smoking, if smoking bothers you so much. So guess what, Scott? There, guess how many bars and restaurants there were in New York City that did not permit smoking? Zero. None. Really? There okay. were none. So the point is, if you were a non-smoker with asthma, like me, um, you could either stay home as if you were in pre-lockdown, or you could go <laughs> out and risk secondhand smoke and, and lung cancer. I'm sorry, that was insane. The, the law passed um, you know what, uh, the, the restaurateurs union uh, organization, they were furious about this. They didn't want it at all. They were like, oh, we're going to lose so much business. No, all the smokers aren't going to come out. Hey, who doesn't love a smoky bar? Guess what? Their business went way up after the ban. Well, the, I could see making that a, you could buy a license, for instance. Here's, here's I mean, for me, there's always a middle way and, and, a, and a reasonable way. You could have had a a license that the bar could have bought. We're a smoking bar. You well, know, that exists. You, there are cigar bars. You, right. And that's kind of that was kind organizations. Of, that kind of tap dances around the law. I mean, and that right. and you know, I love a good cigar bar, by the way. Um just I mean, you know. I would I would I would like everything about it, the decor, the ambiance, the people, just everything except the cigar smoke. <laughs> except the smoke. All right, we're going to go on to the next subject, infrastructure bill. But first, we're going to take this little break. And we're back. Ted's trying to count with his fingers, and it's adorable. Yeah, Ivy League graduate. I don't think I've seen anyone besides a toddler have that kind of difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) Show me four, Ted. Come on. 
<laughs> you can oh my do god it. yep now i know that my mom's alzheimer's is coming for me no question about it all right oh my god we're getting to that age where we're starting to look at our parents and go oh my god i act like it i say things my dad said and it's you know Besides the abuse of alcoholism. So depressing. I, I never thought I'd be this fucking old. No. I, and I did everything in my power not to be. Uh, <laughs> I really did. Oh, I, I, by the time I was 30, a lot of people wish I had. Oh, no. The world's a better place with you in it, Ted. Oh, uh, we're going to move on to, I mean, something very unsexy, but stay with us on this because this is one of those issues that Ted and I could not disagree more on. And it's, and it's, it's important. Infrastructure bill. It looks like it's going to pass. It's, it's been pared down significantly to, I think, uh, $540 billion. Down soon, from... it will, soon it will be $72. Well, I think this is what they could get passed. And here's my objection to it. I mean, and there's a number, I mean, a, a ton of objections to it uh, from, from my perspective. Infrastructure bills are nothing more than pork for politicians. This is, I mean, in, in Chicago, they actually call it the corruption tax. Any project, you had to add 10 to 20% because you knew that that was going to go into some, you know, a politician's nephew's going to get a no-show shovel-leaning job, right? So what? No, what do you mean, so what? That's my money. Yeah, okay, so the whole point, though, is, you know, like, if you look at a map of New York City when they first laid out the street grid and it was all theory, and, like, they, they, like, put the subway stops sort of, like, every six, seven blocks, right? And at the time, everyone was like, Oh, like, I don't want the subway on my block. There was NIMBYism. Guess what? All of those streets became major streets. People visit New York City and they think, oh, 79th Street's a major street. And then they put a subway there. No, they put a subway there and it became a major street because the subway was there. There's exceptions, but mostly that's the case. Um, Infrastructure has massive positive economic impact well beyond hiring uh, the people who build it. And so... Who cares? You're, you're throwing money out there. Corruption is part of it, for sure. But even corruption stimulates the economy. Well, but here's the thing. I mean, I, I can tell you, and it's a brief story about here uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, where they had uh, two projects going. One was a flyover to go to the main mall here in the, in the area. It, was ta- it literally took five years for it to get about a quarter of the way to where it needed to get, right? They're plugging along. Like I said, you had a bunch of shovel leaners and people which seemed to show up to work. God knows what they did. Um, A truck filled with flammable explosive stuff runs into an overpass at the I-20 and I-65, a major intersection in our interstate system. Interstate system, by the way, a good example of infrastructure that worked. Anyway, truck hits the over... Republicans were against it, by the way. Yeah, but it was also proposed by a Republican uh, president. So right, he was a, he was a rhino kind of though. Uh, okay, who won World War II? But you know that's a, that looks good uh, on a resume. That looks good only, on anyone's resume. <laughs> only a real Democrat would have won would have won World War II. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so okay, Chuck misjudges the height, hits it, boom, blows up, destroys the virtually destroys uh, obliterates the intersection. Um, the government said, you know, hired a contractor, said, we'll give you incentives to do this as fast as you can. The same length that this flyover was is this now interse- intersection of I-20 and I-65. They finished that in five weeks. <laughs> five years, five weeks. Sure. Yeah. Well, they can. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, we know that. And look, the point is that like what that is, a, but that's not a lesson about why we don't want a bloated infrastructure bill. That's a lesson of how you want to build proper incentives in yes. hiring contractors. Yes. But it also that's it, about it, proper it, management, project. But management. also install 
significant jail time for any corruption involved in the spending of this money. You know, Ted, you and I both know to our marrow how this is getting passed because they're trying to make it bipartisan. I'm doing air quotes, which is always effective on podcasts. Yeah, it's about spreading money to uh, every senator to buy votes, right? And congressmen. And they're going to, you know, and so you know you're going to have like a freeway through a swamp that nobody sure. lives in. Sure. Uh, you're going to have, you're going that, oh, by the way, the property just happened to be owned by the wife of this congressman. Sure. This is going to happen. I'm not okay this with is, America goes, this is how America was founded. George Washington got rich that way, uh, selling oh. the swamp land that became the future capital to the, to the federal government. I mean, you know. And he made some of the earliest whiskey in America. Yeah. And he, uh, and he, uh, and I, I personally like the fact that he bought land in the, what was then the frontier and then had the army, the federal army go out and clear it of native Americans so that he could then make more money by selling it. <laughs> the Washington outlet malls, <laughs> <laughs> the whole chain now that honors the father of our country. <laughs> I have, like I said, you and I are going to disagree with this. And I don't know that we're ever going to, to agree on this kind, this level of spending. I'm also happen to believe that if well, you long overdue, I mean, nothing's I mean, look, you know, I, I was a briefly a civil engineering major at Columbia in the 80s. And I was told by my advisors, fucking quit. Don't don't do this. Don't be a civil engineer. Nothing in this country has been built since the 30s. And there's no plans to build anything else. And, and nothing has been built since then. I mean, there's been it's been 90 years since we've seen a major public infrastructure project. You know, the Chinese are building high speed pressurized rail to Tibet, like literally. Um, at 10, you know, at 12,000 feet of elevation. What are we doing? We, we, I mean, Amtrak on the, in the Northeast corridor is, is crappy. It's always late. It's a piece of shit. Now, you know, we're here, we are in, uh, you know, the highway system is garbage. Uh, when, you know, the only place I can think of that's at, that's really doing anything significant is of all places, the LA, LA subway system, LA Metro is doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, Surprisingly. Yeah, it's, but it's also ex very expensive. What is it, a billion dollars a mile to build yeah. those things? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, but you can imagine in like, say, 10 years when, when it becomes a viable system and people use it instead of going to work, it's going to have a massive impact against, against air pollution, uh, traffic congestion. It's going to improve, uh, you know, mobility. Yeah. Uh, no, well, okay. I, I see the advantages of it. I'm just telling you that I know the level of corruption that had to go, go into just the passage of this thing. And now when the money gets, gets thrown out, that's, you know, half a trillion dollars, which is to some of us, a lot of money. Uh, it's your <laughs> money. It's my money. It's the people listening to this podcast money. And it's going to be, and you know, it's going to be mismanaged. You know, you, I mean, you just, you admit at the top of the conversation, you know, this is just the price you pay to have these things done. I think it's too steep a price to pay. Well, and I also think it should be grants to the state versus here's how we, we, you know, we got this money and the congressmen and the senators are the ones who are going to be in charge of it. Well, screw that. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to do it though? I mean, it seems to me like as usual, it's kind of like Republicans with their, you know, bitching about the affordable care act, which they're right. It's a piece of shit, but you know, they don't have any alternative. Like, what would you do? How would you do this? Oh, there are alternatives. We need instruct. We do need. And we, I mean, surely you can agree that we need, uh, you know, bridges that don't collapse and we need high yes. speed rail. We need all sorts of things. I don't think we need high speed rail. But yeah, that's the only industrialized country that, that doesn't have it. We can be Botswana. It'll be awesome. Well, we are. <laughs> Botswana is probably doing shit. I don't know. 
Botswana in the springtime is beautiful. That's what they say. That's what they say. Well, we we just said it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess we're, (laughs) we did not find middle ground on this one. So moving on, we're going to be talking about, well, a mishmash of stuff. And we're going to have, we're going to talk Cuomo, Bile, DeSantis, GOP, Olympics, and the Obamas being shamed into not having a super spreader event. Who knew that they could be shamed? (laughs) We'll be back right after this. All right. Okay, get ready here. I think we can do this count now. Three, two, one, uno, go. <laughs> when we're back, Ted still couldn't count with this. No, no, that's not true. I yes, you did. You did four that's instead bullshit. of three. I did that on purpose. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, let's let's say it's on purpose. That's how you're going to cover okay. up. That's how you're going to cover up. I see how it is on- now. The oncoming dementia is going to be covered up like that. Is that how we're playing this? <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. I'm Scott Stanis coming to you from the right. And I'm Ted Raw on the left. This is, we're going to wrap things up here, but it's sort of a potpourri, as it were, uh, of different issues. First, let's hit uh, Mar- uh, Governor Cuomo of New York, who apparently is just a little, how can we put this, rapey? Rapey would be right. Yeah, I had a chance to read the report in more in greater detail. I know you read it yesterday, right? Did you I read did. And it was like, um, it, it, 165 it, pages of bursting love. It's just gross. I mean, what the hell is wrong with men? I mean, I'm one of them. It's just like, it's just gross. You know, you're like the 17th person who's asked me that today. And I here's what I'm going to say. Look, I, I've worked in offices. Um, so have you. And I just want to say in defense of our gender here, I think it's like 1% of guys who do this shit. I mean, like, I'm not saying that like, there aren't like 5% of guys who can be like, they can go out and get drunk at like a holiday party and like, and, and like be inappropriate. But this kind of like piggery is like ongoing uh, insanity, you know, like that as described in the report, that's really not typical. Most guys don't do this shit. They don't. They, they're, they're appropriate, they, they know their limits, they're not leering, they're not hitting they, on anyone, they, they keep to themselves. Is this I, mean, is I it? want to be clear on that. I mean, what Cuomo did is shocking, and it shouldn't be shocking just to women. It should be shocking to men too, because it's completely, you know, I mean, come on, it's like, oh, it was his generation, that's bullshit. I'm fi- almost 58 years old. Um, you know, it's like, there's, you know, like, when I was a kid, that was inappropriate behavior. And, and he's not that much older than we are. No, and he was, I'm 62 and he was great. I mean, he's, I mean, if you haven't read the report, something? we read the report. So you don't have to, because it's just kind of creepy. I mean, he would grab women. He'd kiss them on top of the head, which he says, which is the one thing he admitted to. Biden-y. It's a little, it's a little back rubby hair smelly, isn't it? it, is. it's, it uh, is. But he actually tried to kiss them on the, he kissed them on the cheek. He kissed them on the lips or tried to on a number of these women. To their credit, the women actually did report these things, but they reported them to. You have the to assume executive. that many other women did not report it. Right. You should right. assume that. Either shocked or maybe, I mean, you know, they thought, well, this is my entree into this world. Um, but a number of women reported uh, this this conduct to the executive committee, which is run by the governor's office. So it's like they went, huh, wow, sucks to be you. Um, and And, well, apparently his other big thing besides like uh, boob grabbing um, was also like sort of walked walk by someone and then like 
stroke their back or their belly, sort of be a sort of like passing, sort of like could like you imagine rubbing I mean, against I'm, your leg as it goes by, kind of? I'm sorry, I'm a guy, you know, I, I'm a I'm a cis male, but the idea of walking by someone and touching their stomach, their belly, uh, and just stroking it's unbelievable. Is Oh my God, who no, does no, that? No one does that. No, like, <laughs> well, apparently the governor of the state of New York does that. Yeah, yeah uh, apparently he does. And now uh, there's some uh, conservative, I just, and I just read the headlines this morning. I have to tell you, I haven't read, don't, dived into this yet, but they call it the post shame era. Is he going to, could he get, a, could he survive this? Well, it's an interesting question. I think the answer is no. And yesterday, I was thinking the answer was no, because the president of the United States and therefore the head of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, uh, said that he needed to resign. Uh, now, I think that, you know, even Cuomo is such an asshole that he may not care what Biden said, um, but he, can't, he can't ignore an impeachment committee. And the state um, assembly speaker, has already stated that uh, he believes the governor can't serve anymore. Uh, there's reports from a meeting of the Democratic caucus in Albany that not one single person, uh, no assemblyman spoke up in favor or, in, or senators spoke up in favor of the governor to defend him. So it looks like his support in Albany has all but evaporated. He was ruling entirely by fear. And you know how that is. Once that fear disappears. There's yeah. a lot of the knives come out of from under the togas. So, um, you know, basically they say it's going to take a month or two to gear up for impeachment proceedings. Um, and then uh, so if Cuomo hangs on, which my money is against that, I don't think he'll be he will hang on. I don't think he'll I think the rest of his governorship is measured in hours, not months. But uh, if I'm wrong, this goes until um, this basically doesn't last beyond an impeachment vote in, say, October or November of this year. How much time does he have left on his term? Do you know? Yeah, he's uh, he has until next year. Um, the okay. election he was he's hoping to run for a fourth term in November. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Uh, I read an interesting observation today by uh, uh, New York Congressman. I think it's Charles Rangel Jr. who said that uh, he thought that if Cuomo had apologized and promised not to run for re-election, he might have been able to complete his term. Um, and that sounds- Oh, you totally, right. you totally disagree with that. You can't apologize now because he's been, well, double, he's been yeah, lying. I think, that, I think that he might've been able to, it's true that he might've been able to finish his term if he did that, but I do think- Now? He, you mean today? If he apologized today? Yeah, and just said, look, I'm sorry, but I won't run again. I agreed with your analysis. We talked about this last night and your analysis was that because leading up to this, it's all, yeah. this is bullshit. They're lying. I've never, well, yeah, no, I think it's this. a bad look. I think that like at this point, the only thing you can do is he's painted himself into a corner. He just has to keep lying. He has to, I mean, there's nothing else to do. I mean, he's, he made this decision, you know, this is the bet he has to lie in. He struck that to me. Now he has to lie on it. Um, <laughs> you know, this, Obama, is the bet, this is the bet he has to stroke in. <laughs> The Obamas were going to have on Martha's Vineyard a 500-person birthday bash. Mm, classic. Uh, and uh, they finally got shamed into calling it off. I mean, what did they notice that there were uh, millions of ho newly homeless people and unemployed people who are being evicted? Oh, wait, no, that's that's not what 
shamed them. No, and it wasn't. I mean, they did. Yeah, no, that's not what they noticed. They noticed, and they didn't notice really initially that there there's a pandemic that still seems to be raging. It's spiking again. They didn't notice that. What they did notice is the press clippings. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the press clippings were bad and not just in Republican leaning media. Um, you know, I think it's uh, the, you know, Obama has had a singularly tone deaf post presidency. He's kind of the opposite of Jimmy Carter. You know, I mean, he left on a high. Jimmy Carter was a very unpopular president when he left in 1980. Uh, and, you know, but but Carter redeemed himself with his work for Habitat uh, for Humanity and uh, was viewed as a humble, uh, wise soul who could be brought in even to try to negotiate Middle East peace. Um, you know, uh, Obama is just, seems to be uh, on the grift, um, just uh, collecting money from, uh, you know, banks for big speeches, Hillary Clinton style, and, uh, you know, and, and living large. And it's kind of tawdry. It is. It reminds me a little bit of the tone deafness. You mentioned that the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, um, is a very prickly character anyway. And she just issued yet another um, mask mandate to, to re reissued it for Chicago. And then they had Lollapalooza this weekend or this past weekend, rather. And oh, there's was pictures. That, was that, yeah. And they pa- and they have pictures of her backstage. Guess what? She's not wearing. Oh, uh, or her entourage. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, she's not wearing a funny. <laughs> she's not wearing her yeah her fish t-shirt woo um <laughs> who's no, the star of Lollapalooza do we even know she is what's that who, who are the big bands this year at Lollapalooza oh you I know mean, how the kids the kids and their crazy rap music you know oh I'm gonna look this shit up now I gotta see I gotta see because I mean I've actually never and never will um attend a rock <laughs> festival because that sounds horrible um, it really does. You get to a certain age and it's just like, oh, I get to wallow in the mud with my girlfriend in hundred degree heat. Yeah. Sign me up for that, man. That um, awesome. But anyway, to finish the story. So she's backstage and someone actually had, it was very elegant. Um, someone posted the picture they have because people have cameras now, apparently. Uh, you know, oh, elected officials still seem to be mystified by this fact. But she, so there's pictures of the mayor and her entourage maskless at Lollapalooza. And someone wrote underneath it with the uh, with the with the headline of her having the mask mandate the day before. And he just writes, eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was and it's, well, it's, uh, it's simple, straightforward. Elegant in its brevity. Yeah. And by the way, I, I would just like to point out that uh, I don't think we missed much. Um, apparently, what was the lineup for Lola Palooza? So, so Thursday's head, headliner was Miley Cyrus, who uh, notably wrote her memoir when she was 16 and probably didn't have much to do after that. <laughs> Tyler the Creator on Friday, Post Malone Saturday. Oh, and Journey, like born and raised in South Detroit. Um, and uh, don't stop. Um, then Foo Fighters <laughs> on Sunday, which probably is the oh. Uh, I guess I would have wanted to see the Foo Fighters, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I like Grohl. He seems to be a cool guy, and his music's nice. Yeah, but I mean, they, actually, there's no one here I would have really cared about, except, okay, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Journey, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. you never stop believing. That's no, kind, of, kind of your mantra. And I was born and raised in South Detroit, which I hear is actually Lake Michigan, according to Detroiters. Um, that's what I hear. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then I don't think there actually is a South Detroit. So that explains the song. It's actually about a fish. It could be. Well, who's believing? <laughs> I don't know. If you're from Detroit you, uh, and, and I'm wrong, I'm sure I'll hear from you. 
Before um, I let you go, before we, we tie things up here, I did want to ask you, there's a woman uh, wrestler by the name of, uh, I believe it's Tamara Mensa Stock. Uh, she's kind of pulled a George Foreman. Do you remember George? Uh, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about. made an awesome Foreman, grill. <laughs> not an awesome girl, but 1968 George Foreman because of the, of the protests of the fist, uh, the uh, two track uh, and field guys who raised their fist during the national anthem. He actually held an American flag, put his hand over his heart. George Foreman you know, positioned himself as this um, very patriotic pro-American in, in light of 1968. And we all know what happened. Tamara uh, Mensa stock seems to be doing, pulling the same thing. I know you have strong feelings about overt signs of, of patriotism. Or nationalism in this particular case. Yeah, I know. Um, if you want to call it up, it's um, it, it, tell us your objection to this, and then we're, we're let's piss people off, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, you're assuming correctly that I object to this sort of thing. Look, um, you know they say patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, and that is true. Um, you know, and, and I do take offense at the any kind of implication that a left winger is not patriotic, you know, that, 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 that like a, being socialist is uh, anti-American. I mean, that nothing could be further from the truth. And uh, I could get into a lot of detail uh, why that, but I mean, let's just say that like everyone I know who's on the left cares deeply about the country and its future and its people uh, and, and wants the best for it. And uh, we just have a different uh, a good idea from the right about how to get there. Um, I think um, the problem right now is that the United States uh, when it's out bloviating and bragging about how awesome it is and chanting USA, USA, number one, uh, that means that we're blowing off all the very legitimate criticisms that the rest of the world has about our dismal human rights record, um, our crappy gangster capitalist system, and you know the fact that we have a torture camp in Guantanamo, that we have legalized torture at CIA facilities around the world, that we are uh, invading other countries willy-nilly just for fun. Um, you know, we're assholes. The United States is, has like the most aggressive, most repugnant foreign policy of any country on the planet. We, are no, we have no moral high ground whatsoever. So, you know, I would be the first to be out there chanting USA, USA, when we're moving closer towards social and economic equality and when we're not treating other countries like shit and when we're uh, and when we have something to brag about. But right now we really don't. I mean, we're literally throwing people out on the street uh, in, because they haven't paid their rent because we told them not to go to work during a pandemic. And then it's like, oh, wait, you didn't pay your rent with magical, uh, you know, figs that were supposed to, to fall from that from the heavens. I mean, you know, they literally even created a bailout that didn't that that like they didn't put any money into or they didn't let people have the money. You know, it's like they only allocated part of it and they literally sat on it. It hasn't been spent. I mean, you know, we're screwed up. Yeah, but. To be fair, we have the various flavors of Oreo cookies, which um, I don't think any other country can can brag about. Uh, I say God bless America. So on that note, <laughs> I'm Scott Stannis. I'm Scott Stannis coming to you from the right. And I'm Ted Rall coming to you from the left. We'll talk to you next time on the next DMZ America podcast. Nice doing you, seeing you, Scott. Good seeing you too, Ted. Bye. <laughs>